theme is, what on earth is God doing? Have you ever wondered that in your own life? Things go pear-shaped. You pray, it gets worse. You pray harder, it gets worse. And you say, God, what are you playing at? Well, maybe you're not quite so honest as to say to God, say, Lord, I just wonder, can we have a little word? And God is saying, I know what you really want to say. Ask me, God, what on earth are you doing? But when we look further afield, your life may be happy and blessed. When you look further afield, you see massive troubles. I mean, where is God in Syria right now? Good question. God, what are you doing on planet Earth? And then Habakkuk comes along and says, don't be afraid to talk to God like that. Intercessory prayer can only happen after interrogatory prayer. You can only pray and intercede for the nations when you've heard from God and he's answered some questions. What is he doing? So Habakkuk is a good model. He is a priest. He's a prophet. He's a worship leader. And chapter 3, which we're about to read in a moment, is mainly, basically, a whole worship song that God gave him as a prophetic song when he'd spent much time in the presence of God, finally was silent in the presence of God and began to listen, and God showed him the answer. God showed him that God has not finished with planet earth. He's not finished with his people. He is going to judge the nations. The wicked nations shall not always prosper. ISIS shall fail. That's just, the Bible says so. In fact, the day is coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. I'm not just talking about spirit-filled, Bible-believing Christians. I'm talking about atheists. I'm not mocking. I'm simply selling the truth. Richard Dawkins will say, Jesus is Lord. Atheists who don't acknowledge God will see God in that day when it's too late for them to repent. They'll acknowledge it. Now they mock. Now they have the ear of the media. Now they are on television. Now they're fated and wined and dined as the heroes of the age. But on that day, they'll have to bow the knee and say, I was wrong. Muhammad, not just Islam, but Muhammad will bow the knee to Jesus. The Bible says so. We are Bible-believing Christians. Philippians 2, every knee shall bow. Amen. Are you with me today? Now, we should not be afraid of declaring the truth. We declare the truth. We live by the truth. But when things are puzzling and confusing, we ask God, what are you doing? Now, we've seen over the messages, and they're available online, and also next week we'll have a DVD set for you. You can catch up on the previous messages. How that Habakkuk asks God questions. Why aren't you active enough? Why aren't you doing something about the problems? And why are they affecting me so much? God, you're supposed to be looking after me. And God says, I'm going to take care of everything. I'm sending the Babylonians. This was 6th century BC, 600 BC. And uh, uh, Judah was about to be overrun and destroyed by the Babylonians as a result of God's judgment over the sins of Judah. All good news this morning. All good news, as you see. And, um, and then Habakkuk said, God, okay, but why the Babylonians? They're worse than us. 
God, why would you raise up Muslims to embarrass the church because of our weakness and unbelief? They are worse than we are. God, why would you allow the atheists to mock us? They are worse than we are. God says, okay, I will give you the promise that I'm coming not just to judge the earth, but to rescue you and to bring salvation to my people. Amen. Now we're getting some good news. And so God says, don't forget, I've got a plan. And the plan is, is that one day the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Glory, glory everywhere. And the time is coming when God will manifest himself in his temple, which is the church of Jesus Christ. That's Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 20. God is in his temple. Let all the earth be silent before me, including you, Habakkuk. There's a time to prophesy, there's a time to pray, and there's a time to zip it up and say, God, I'm listening to you. Before this meeting is out, we're going to have silence in the presence of God. Let's see if we can last it. The nine o'clock did. Let's see if the exuberant 11 o'clock can keep quiet for a minute as we listen to God. So all this has happened, and now we come to chapter three. Here, Habakkuk meets God in a new way. A few verses into this chapter, we find Habakkuk in seeing a vision. It's almost like an action replay before his very eyes. A montage edited by the Holy Spirit. Implicit, God's power in creation. Implicit, God's revelation to Moses. Explicit, the deliverance through the Red Sea. Explicit references to Joshua's conquest in Canaan. And then projecting that on into the future and also back into present, at least into the present so we can claim the stuff for today as well as expecting God to intervene in the future. So let's read verse 20 of the previous chapter and then on into chapter 3 verse 1. But the Lord is in his holy temple. That's his people, the church. Let all the earth be silent before him. I've heard all about you, Lord. Well, wait a bit. Let me get into this. This is actually, I'm going straight into this. But verse 1 is saying this is the prayer was sung by Habakkuk. Now, it's a worship song that comes to him. And you will see there is a special musical reference here. This has to be sung according to Shigionot, which is a Hebrew word. Best understanding, it means set to exuberant praise. And Fabio and I have been doing some exuberance together. And at, uh, we're going to sing this song again at the end. I gave him the words mainly from Habakkuk anyway. I cheated. And uh, he's got a great tune. So exuberant praise. Now what has happened that he could go from a moaning, complaining, albeit self-righteous prophet, thinking he's standing on the side of justice, to a man saying, do you know what? I've seen you, God. It's amazing. There's nothing can compare with you. I've heard all about you. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, in your anger, remember mercy. I see God moving across the deserts from Eden. The Holy One coming, coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and all the earth is filled with his praise. 
His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plague follows close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. I see the people of Kushan in distress and the nation of Midian trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No. You were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. The sun and the moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. You marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. With his own weapons, you destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. You trampled the sea with your horses and mighty waters piled high. I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. I will wait patiently for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer and able to tread upon the heights. Then there's a little reference for the choir director. This prayer is to be accompanied by stringed instruments. And actually, in the original, it is, you can use my stringed instruments. I'll lend you my guitar so that you can have some good, exuberant praise. How wonderful to see the change in this prophet because the vision of God changes everything. That's what I want you to take away from this message. That when you see God and put your eyes on God, it changes everything. When God shows you more and more of himself, it changes you, transforms you from the inside out, from a me, me, me person to a person who knows how to praise God in all circumstances. Title for today, Treading the Heights of Joy. This is what we've learned from Habakkuk over these last four messages. When you see God and have a revelation of him, when you begin to understand what he's up to, not only will you abandon yourself to him, to his glorious purpose, but nothing else will count in the end.
become lifted up into prophetic praise, ecstatic, exuberant joy, when you know that God is coming to judge the nations and redeem his people, you learn to rejoice in all circumstances, even when it takes a long time to happen. Maybe especially when it takes a long time to happen. Because if God were to act immediately, who would stand? God is poised from heaven to descend upon the earth and to bring his final word of judgment, but he's not ready because he wants still yet more grace to be available for people to turn to him and say, God, I need you in my life. That's why it seems a long time in coming. Even in New Testament days, where the scripture, the time is coming, it shall not delay, it shall surely come, was understood to mean the time is coming, he will not delay, he will surely come. And New Testament writers had to write to the churches and say, it looks like there's a delay. But don't forget, he, he, he hasn't forgotten. He's going to come. And if there's a delay, he's not slack concerning his promise. It looks like it's a delay, but God is merciful. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants all to have everlasting life. So if it takes time for vindication in your life, know that it's the mercy of God. And in the meantime, you can rejoice in all circumstances. The vision of God changes everything. Changes you from a person who worries to a person who rests in the Lord, who trusts and rejoices in all circumstances. Most important of all, your orientation changes from I, me, myself to you, Lord, and your glory. If you recall in the very first message, I pointed out that Habakkuk's first complaint was couched in far too many eyes. Of course, he's saying, I'm talking to you. That's fair enough. But there was just one or two more eyes than necessary. Then he begins to blow his cover. He, he is very, pretty self-righteous here. He thinks that he's crying out to God in spiritual language. But actually, behind this is a cry for personal vindication, for self-interest. God, I don't want to lose my job. And at the end, we find him, he's lost his job. The temple's not going to last much longer. This guy's had it now, and yet he's rejoicing. What's happened? He was righteous in his complaint, but critical of God. Something happened, and all began in verse 20 of the previous chapter, chapter 2, verse 20. It all began when he heard the word of the Lord, where God says, in all that I'm doing, bringing my glory into all of the earth, you're going to see it, it's going to happen. I'm also going to come and manifest my presence in my holy temple. Which temple was he talking about? The one in Jerusalem wasn't going to last. That was going to be destroyed very, very shortly after that. Oh, of course, there was going to be one that was going to be rebuilt. Yeah, along comes the... The, 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 the temple that was built in the time of restoration, Haggai and Zechariah, oh yes, that temple, but that also is gone, and you can keep building as many temples on this earth, God ain't gonna live in one of them. 
because his dwelling place is not in buildings made with hands. His dwelling place is the highest heaven and all his glory, which cannot be contained in it, but he does promise this. You are my temple, says the Lord. I am building you into a holy temple where I will come and manifest my presence in you. I will put my glory in you and I will get glory to my name through you, the church of Jesus Christ. Wait for it. It shall surely come. That's who we are. We're not some weak, defeated, end-time remnant. We are people growing and glowing with the glory of God. We're going somewhere. We have a future. We have a hope. We have a destiny because we have a God who says so. Hallelujah. And that's what we are doing here. That's what our business is. Not just to come to church on Sunday. That's very good. Please don't stop doing that. In fact, next week, bring six people with you. Let us worry about where to put them. No problem. No, but it's not just about that. We are a community of people. The temple of God is a community, a community of people who glow with the glory of God 24-7. In our cell groups, an opportunity to take this very message and work it out in your life in detail. Next week, I will not be preaching. Praise is coming to preach, so it'll give you a week to catch up so that when we come back, you can start again with a new series. Oh, this new series is so glorious. I could go straight there now, but I haven't finished this one. Community. People joined together, being built up. And God says, he gave Habakkuk a revelation of this, and he said, now, Habakkuk, let all the earth be silent including you, man of God. Fancy God telling a prophet to, can I say shut up, is that rude? Yes, I'll say it because I've said it anyway. Amanda's not happy, but anyway, shut up, God says to him. (laughs) Zip it up, okay. Why? Because he says, listen, you're talking too much. Even your praying now is empty. You need a new revelation. Let me tell you today, it's time for you to zip it up. And listen. Listen to what God says. Listen to what God will show you. He wants to take you to a higher, newer revelation where you will rejoice no matter what the storms come because you will have a perspective from above the clouds seeing that God is in control. Same old, same old. God, give us a new message. Not this the same gospel, but God, give us a higher revelation. God wants the church to speak with a fresh revelation of a fresh experience, a fresh living encounter with the living God. So Habakkuk was silent. Then he watched and listened. And in this, particularly verses 3 to 15 of chapter 3, is a vision. It's like an action replay. Maybe it's in slow-mo, some of it. It's a montage It's historically anachronistic or mixed together, telling us this one thing. God, who's done it in the past, has not finished with you. He can do it today and he can do it tomorrow. The God who created all things, pestilence, famine, he's in control. It goes before him, it follows him. What does that mean? Watch out, God will zap you. Well, I'll tell you what it means. It means that God is in control of even the things that are happening in the earth natural realm. 
This isn't some world wound up by some forgotten God who lets it tick-tock until it winds down. God is in control. He is masterfully, in a sovereign way, ruling over every circumstance of life. And even when things seem so impossible, so wrong, so far gone, God hasn't forgotten. God hasn't abandoned. He is acting in a way that's going to cause you to celebrate. Why don't you shout aloud now? Because you're going to shout aloud later when you see what God is doing. Our God is in control. God, not good God, devil, not bad devil. Amen. Hallelujah. Then when you listen and watch and you have a fresh vision of God and you see God with your eyes, the eyes of faith, you get filled with hope. The Red Sea deliverance, I'm sure you picked up the references. Chariot wheels, chariots, God riding the chariots. What irony. In this poetic song, it was the Egyptian chariots that perished, but God's riding the chariots, God's riding the wind, God's riding the waves, he's splitting the waters, he's stopping the sun, because Joshua said, hey, listen, Lord, I can't stop now. There's more people to conquer, more victory to be had, and don't let it go dark. And the sun stood still so Joshua could complete the victory. God is going to give you a complete victory. Amen. Oh, yes. There are times of difficulty ahead. Oh, yes. But wait for it. The promise shall surely come. Hallelujah. It will not be delayed. God's time is perfect. What are you believing God for today? Trust him. Wait for him. It shall surely come. That doesn't mean to say we're going to get everything now. No, 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 no. Read your Bible. Now we taste. It's a taste. Then it's the full meal. Do you think get everything now? <laughs> no. All that we receive now is but a sign pointing to the fullness that is to come, which means now is the time for the cross, for conflict. Now. Don't be surprised if you suffer pain, rejection, frustration for the sake of Christ. I refer to it in my prayer, 28th of August, a family, a whole bunch of believers were killed by ISIS in Syria, including a 12-year-old boy, every one of them crucified. 12-year-old boy. What would you like to say as Mr. Faith Preacher? Boy... What's the matter with you, boy? Where's your faith? If you had faith in Jesus, that wouldn't have happened to you. Is that the truth? Not nonsense. That boy's got more faith, little finger, than all those faith, miserable preachers who tell you you don't have to go through cross and conflict, who tell you you can grab for yourself now selfish living, calling it prosperity gospel. What absolute nonsense. Suffer for Jesus. Take up your cross. Through tribulation, you enter the kingdom of God. But it is coming. No more frustration, no more pain, no more dying, no more crying. Hallelujah. Only the fullness of joy in the everlasting kingdom. Amen. We do live happily ever after. Amen. But what about before? <laughs> okay. There's a before and an after. And now, even though we don't get a problem-free existence now, 
Is that accepted? You accept that? God does not promise us a problem-free existence. Now. But even now, we can learn to tread the heights of joy, knowing that the future is bright and it belongs to us. We know the outcome. You've seen how it all ends. That means when we go to the back of the book, we say, oh, hallelujah, Jesus wins. Amen. Oh, I'm there too, hallelujah, in the glory of God's future kingdom. So now we rejoice knowing that nothing is happening by chance. God is working out his purpose in every detail. He is in control of everything that happens on this planet, even the good and the bad. If I was not a preacher, I might have been a philosopher. That was one of my favorite subjects. And uh, what stops you from being a philosopher rather than a, uh, a preacher rather than a philosopher is that philosophy is good for, for, for the brain, but you need the revelation of God to complete the answers to the questions. And I know philosophically there is absolutely no answer to this problem. How can God, who is in control of everything, control our lives to such an extent as the Bible makes it clear he does without us losing our free will? So there is this confusion today where people don't like the kind of idea of a God who's in control like a ruling authority, like a a God who sits upon a throne. That's very old-fashioned, authoritarian view of God. Let's modify it. Let's have a different God, a God who's far more democratic, a God who says, these are my 10 rules. What do you think about them? (laughs) Shall we negotiate? A God who says, this is what you should do, but if you don't, I I don't know what I'm going to do, but I need you. Don't, don't. I need you God according to this it's called the openness of God teaching in other words God is not in control that's the easiest answer what's happening in Syria why did God let it happen well he couldn't help it because he's not in control he hasn't got enough power and if he exercised that power where's our free will philosophically it's difficult to marry these things but let me tell you a statement if you reflected on this my God is so big that he can control to the smallest detail every event in the universe without him being the author of sin, the father of suffering, or pushing to one side our free will. God is that big. And because of that, because of that, God can use the Babylonians. God, I I will use the Babylonians. They're more wicked than you. I will use them though, but I will deal with them in the end. So sometimes bad things happen to good people because God allows it for his purpose. Think of an example in history which shows us the baddest thing. I know that's not good English. The baddest thing, the worst thing, the worst thing that ever happened The most wicked thing that ever happened in all history was the rejection of God's son by cruel and wicked hands who crucified him. Can you think of anything that is worse in terms of error, sin, and unrighteousness? But was God in control of the cross? Of course he was. He was on the cross. 
He was on the cross in the person of his son. It was all his plan. And when the devil did his worst and threw all of that against Jesus, the son of God, God was at his best, saving the world from his sins. Can you see that? If God can be in charge of the cross, which is the worst thing that ever happened, he can be in charge of the stuff that's happening in your life. And you say, why God? He says, listen, be quiet, come up higher, let me show you. Let me show you what I'm doing. I'm working a plan that's going to end with my glory all over the earth. I'm going to judge the nations. I'm going to redeem my people. Only be patient because I'm patient. I want people to be saved. I'm giving them an example. And today, there's only one reason, one main reason why the judgment has already hit you and your life and me and my life and London and the nations of the world is because God loves you and has given you one more day to get right with God, one more day to invest in the kingdom of God, one more day to live for Jesus when you can and you have to do it by faith praise God how wonderful to know that when we see God in all his glory how it changes us <laughs> we've seen the Lord we know he's up to something wonderful we're part of it it takes our focus away from ourselves and we look to God to his glory not my will, but your will be done. God, you're in control. I'm going to hook up with you. And when you see him like that, and you see from his perspective, there's only one word in Hebrew that covers it. It is shigionot, which means, come on, students. Shigionot means exuberant praise. I've said it three times this sermon. It's good, Chaiso. Shigionot means? It means? No, you've got to become preachers. you never get anywhere. Exuberant praise. No, 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 no. You've got to put some exuberant praise. <laughs> you got there. What it means is it's going to be all right. In God's anger, Lord, remember mercy. We've seen through the eyes of the prophet Habakkuk a vision of God's glory at work now, purifying his people that this season of purification is upon us as a church. The series, the, the season of purification is coming to the earth realm as God prepares his people for the coming of Jesus. Say amen. That's glorious. He's making you ready. The bride is getting ready. She's in the boudoir, getting her hair done, getting her nails fixed. Amen and amen. God is working out his plan in detail. He's purifying his people, getting ready to redeem us and to judge the nations. Don't wish it a day too soon because God's mercy extends to the very last moment. And the only joy and true joy is found in abandoning ourselves to this greater plan, the greater vision, the greater story of God, not me and my little problems in my temple and all the issues that I have in my neighborhood and my ugly neighbors and horrible people and horrible bosses and all that kind of stuff, neighbors from hell and holidays from hell and all that kind of stuff, God, God, God. No, we look at God's great plan and God's great glory and we say, God, I want it. I want it. I want to be in on this vision. The glory of God is coming, friends. 
going to cover the earth as waters cover the sea. The presence of God is going to hit the church of Jesus Christ. We're going to be animated with the glory of God. And we're going to go through such incredible, remarkable experiences with God. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. Hallelujah. And it's going to get better and better and better. What's the contradiction? Out there it's going to get worse and worse. But we're going to get better and better.
Joyful in the Lord. 